For those who were here last week, we're continuing a two-part series on the garden of our heart. This is the time of year when if you are a gardener, you're out gardening and doing a lot of it. And if you're not a gardener, you get to drive around and look at the work that other people are doing to make their gardens nice to grow, you know, flowers or fruit or the various things that we do outdoors. And so last week we looked at guarding the garden. You know, when you have a garden, you need to protect it because there are things that want to get into your garden to consume the fruit and the vegetables and the, th the hard work that you've put into it and they just want to come eat for free and to take what's already there. And we talked about how, you know, there are outside, you know, there's people in Psalm 1 that it says, blessed is the one who doesn't you know, walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. And if we let the influence of other people come into our lives and affect us, they can steal the fruit that has already been developed in our lives and turn us from the Lord. But then there's already things that are in a garden. You have evidence of that when spring comes and you haven't yet planted your vegetables and what starts growing in your garden already? The weeds, they're there. And so we talked last week about how in the garden of our heart, there are already things inside of us because of our sin nature that just grow so easily. And when those things surface, just like weeds, we need to pull those and remove them so that those things don't grow freely in our lives and hinder the fruit that God wants there to be. So that's guarding the garden. This week, we're going to look at growing the garden. Because what is the whole purpose of having a garden? Fruit. We wouldn't do all the work if there wasn't some benefit in the end. So the work, the, the purpose of the garden is that it would bear fruit. And the same is the work, the way that we live our lives and the effort that we put into it is so that our life would bear fruit for the kingdom of God and for the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would give him honor and glory by the way that we live. And so God, the master gardener, wants much fruit from your life and much fruit from my life. As we get into it this morning, we're going to look at four things that our garden needs to grow good fruit. But there's a couple different aspects to keep in mind as we look in this, because the Bible you know, it compares our life to a plant. In John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And, and he wants us to bear fruit. So the Bible compares our life as a believer to a plant that bears fruit. But the Bible also compares our heart to a garden. When Jesus told the parable of the sower, it was very clear. He's tying examples of the condition of people's hearts with an illustration to gardening and growing things, to a, a, a whole area, a whole garden um, that needs to be prepared and have the proper kinds of soils and things, which is something we'll look at. But in our garden, we need to understand that there are a variety of plants. In a vegetable garden, there are a variety of things here in our area that we typically grow. And if you do gardening, you could lift, list off you know, a number of, of those items that we may grow in our garden. But there's all sorts of different things that grow. Some things grow really fast. You plant radishes and it seems like the next day you've got radishes. It's not quite that quick, but they're very fast. There's other things like fruit trees 
that you can tend to for years and see nothing on it. But in the long run, that tree every year can produce a lot of fruit. And there are things like that in our lives. Some, and, and it's different for each one of us, I think. Sometimes a certain area of fruit in our life, a certain character or a certain thing you know, that we do for the Lord is very fast. It comes very, very quickly and easily. And other things are a very long maturing process that can bear a lot of fruit in the end, but they can take a lot of work in the meantime. So we need to understand that um, in the garden of our heart. It's the same with weeds too, isn't it? Some weeds grow really quick in the garden of our heart and some things just kind of build slowly over a long time. And if we don't deal with them, they become very big and strong but they took a long time to grow to where they are. So that's something else to remember. So our life is like a plant. Our heart is like a garden. The Bible makes those comparisons. And we, along with God, the master gardener, tend to the garden of our heart. We both have work to do, and we'll see that as we go through. So let's get into it. Four things that we need to grow a good garden. And these are going to be tied right to natural illustrations. The first thing that we need is good seeds. You must have good seeds before you can have good plants. It starts with the quality and the kind of the seeds. Seeds are very small, many of them. If you've done gardening, some of them are very hard to work with. Carrots are difficult to plant. Our least favorite thing to put in the garden is carrots. Not because we don't like eating them, because we don't like planting the seeds that are so hard to keep track of. <laughs> but they turn into plants that produce fruit uh, and then produce in, in the, when we harvest our garden, right? These are all worth the effort to put into it. Now, good seeds. The first thing that comes to mind for me is Galatians and the fruit of the spirits. These are the good things, the good seeds that plant to, that we grow into good fruit in our garden. You know, as we said, a garden here will often have many different varieties of things. Carrots or corn or green beans or beets or lettuce or spinach. Or maybe you get into the herbs with cilantro and dill and, and many other things you could name off. Well, Paul, when he wrote the fruits of the spirit, he's kind of giving the gardening list. The fruit of the Spirit, the seeds that are planted in our life that grow are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. These are the seeds that God seeks to plant in the garden of our hearts and that we need to work to foster to let them grow. So growing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives means that we've been planting the right seeds. You would never want to go in your garden and plant weeds. I assume you wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> Those seem to grow so easily, but it's true in the garden of our heart. You know, we can choose to plant weeds and to let them stay. Things like, Oh, well, the Apostle Paul talked about that in the same passage, the works of the flesh. But things like envy and hatred and pride and, and other sins, if we plant those seeds and we let them go in and we don't deal with them, they will grow in our garden too. So we've got to have good seeds. 
In our lives, the things that we take in and the things we think about are seeds. They will become the fruit that grows in our life. I heard somebody put it like this. This is their, their, their saying. The thoughts that we entertain and the content that we consume deposits seeds for better or for worse. We don't have a choice in that because whatever we are taking in is what is going to grow within us. But we have a choice of what we take in, that we can choose what sort of seeds get put in. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, the Apostle Paul here, we'll read Galatians 6 verse 7 all the way through verse 10. It says in Galatians 6, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Pause there. Whatever seeds we're putting in our garden, whether they are good seeds or whether they are bad seeds, we will reap the fruit of the seeds that have been put in the garden of our heart. Paul carries on. Verse 8, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So here Paul makes the, the clear, the exact comparison. What we sow, we will reap. So if we're sowing to the flesh or to the wrong desires or to the things that shouldn't be there, we're sowing those seeds, we will reap a harvest of wrong things from that. But if we are sowing to our spiritual life, to our walk with the Lord, we're planting that, we're letting that into the garden of our heart, that is what will grow there. You've probably heard of this saying before that has been around for a long time in various forms, but this is kind of the most, um, most modern one that we typically think of is this version. It says, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. What does it start with? The seed that was allowed into the thought that stayed there and that grew. It was something planted in the garden of the heart that grew. We tend to think of that watching like, like the, in the negative side, but it's both, isn't it? Watch so the weeds get taken out quickly, so the wrong thoughts and the bitterness and the envy and the offenses uh, and the, the stuff we talked about last week, that that gets removed quickly. But watch that the good seeds get planted. Make an effort to, to let the fruits of the Spirit grow in your life. So good seeds. We have to have good seeds to grow good plants. The second thing that we need, you can have great seeds, but if you have horrible soil, they don't grow very well at all. You need good soil, a, the good conditioned soil. And I'm, I'm looking at this in two areas. And the first one is mainly our part in the soil. And the second one is mainly God's part in the soil of our heart. So the first one, and Paul talked about this in Sunday school, 
is soft soil. It is mainly our part to have a soft and a tender heart. And I say mainly because if we don't maintain our heart, the Bible makes it very clear with the example of Pharaoh that, that God also kind of lets us go into that hardened heart, that hard ground that cannot receive. But if we're working at having a soft heart, God's not going to harden our heart. So you, you get that. Our part comes first, and then God establishes what we are doing and the choices that we're making. So seeds need to have soft soil. I was rototilling up a new section of our garden. I had tilled it in the fall uh, this last year to plan on planting this spring. So I went through just a second time to till that, that section up to plant and uh, got finished with it, put the rototiller away and was down there working in that part. And I found a, a piece of metal, you know, kind of angled like this and picked it up and went, oh, that's one of the tines off of my rototiller. Our ground was so hard, it broke the metal tine off of my rototiller. That's tough ground. Sometimes our ground of our heart in a certain area can be really, really tough, really hard, and stuff won't grow there. Our whole hillside by our house is, if you've been to our house, there's one whole hillside. There's basically, it looks like, like small stones. There's not plants there. We've tried planting a couple things there, dug a hole, put it in there, watered it, tried to take care of it, and the next year it's not there because it can't get its roots down into that hard, hard ground on our hillside. In the parable of the sower that Jesus told, this is, you know, the first group that he told was the seed that was on the path. The seed that gets the idea here, it says, is trampled down. That it's, it's, gotten, it's got really no chance because the soil is so compacted because it's a walking path that that seed's just not going to take root in that soil. It says in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So praise God for that. God can turn a hard heart into a soft heart if the person is seeking the Lord to have their heart softened. But it takes work on our part to maintain that soft heart. I was reading through a passage recently in Mark chapter 8, and I want to turn there and we'll read that this morning. Mark chapter 8 and verses 14 through 21. Mark 8, 14 through 21. This is Jesus and his disciples. It says, Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. So we're out on this boat trip, and the whole group of guys has one loaf of bread. Doesn't sound like a whole lot of food for a whole group of men. But Jesus cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they, the disciples, began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, 
How many uh, baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they answered the question. They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 7,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? So Jesus said, are your hearts hard? Are your hearts hard? He'd fed 4,000 people. He'd fed 5,000 people with seemingly nothing. And then here are his disciples after that in the boat with one loaf of bread going, uh-oh, we don't have enough. And they were worrying about their food supply. And Jesus compared that worrying to having a hard heart. It's an interesting comparison. Our hearts can harden when we fail to see or fail to believe that Jesus provides for our needs. And that hardened heart can come out and manifest itself as envy if somebody else is provided with something we don't have. It can manifest itself as a fear when we worry about what we don't have. It can manifest itself as discontentment when we don't like what we do have. It can be an anxiety or many other things. I thought it was interesting in this whole passage. You know, Jesus handles the disciples gently, I would say, asking them questions and letting them answer and so on. He's not really berating them, but he's saying, guys, don't, don't you understand? You were there. You saw all of that I provided from basically nothing, and yet here you are worrying. Are, is your heart hard that you don't see, you don't understand? And so God wants us to trust him and to believe in him. And that helps our, the soil of our heart to be softer. Trusting God and practicing thankfulness are direct keys to maintaining a soft garden of our heart. Thankfulness is another really big one, to be thankful to the Lord. So a soft heart is vital to growing good fruit. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says, Sow to yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is hardened, unworked soil. Break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. But in order to sow to yourselves righteousness, in order to sow good things in your heart, the ground has to be soft and broken up. So we need a soft heart in the garden of our heart. And again, keys to that are to trust God and to be thankful. There are other ones, but it's not to be fearful or anxious or worrying or, or bitter or envious or stubborn. You know, all these things are ways that our heart hardens. And then God's fruit in our life, make a really practical comparison. It's really hard for to, for love to joy when your heart, for love to grow when your heart is hardening in hatred. It's really hard for, hard for peace to grow when your heart is hardening in fearfulness. It's really hard for joy to grow when your heart is hardening in grumpiness, right? These are just practical things. They, they, it won't grow there when your heart is hardening against it. So you need your ground to be softened and to do so, you turn to God in trust and in thankfulness and in gratefulness and these things soften the heart so the good fruit can grow.
All right, the second part of the soil is to have the right soil. So not just soft, but the right things in the soil. And so I say this is God part, God's part because God is the master gardener who brings things into our life necessary to provide the scenarios for the right fruit to grow that he wants in our life. I remember years ago, um, I was here at Zion. I was at a youth camp. I was probably 12 years old. So this is a few years back. And we had a whole workshop for the week of that youth camp. There was a bunch of different workshops we could do. And I signed up for the landscaping one. And in that landscaping one, we had a whole soil testing section. I don't even remember who came in and did it, but they brought in the test kits and we got the soil and we tested the elements of the soil to see what it was like. Well, in a, in a natural garden, there is certain things, there are certain things that are necessary for plants to do well. Some of these will be more familiar sounding to you because they're pretty common. Some of them I hadn't heard of till I looked it up, but nitrogen is common. Phosphorus is necessary, common. Potassium, common. Those are kind of the, the, the big ones, but then also sulfur, calcium, boron, selenium, zinc, etc., are all required in the proper balance in a natural garden for things to do well. And so if a garden doesn't do well, you can try to add in, you know, fertilizer, compost, manure, something that will help the garden to do better. But God, in looking at our lives, can see the soil of our heart and can see if there's an element that's lacking in there and he can help provide it into our life to help the condition of our heart. So God, let's just take this for example, if God looked at, at my life, at Stephen's life, and he could say, you know, Stephen needs more patience. Now, patience is a fruit, but again, the Bible kind of blurs the lines between these things. So let's look at patience as something necessary as growing and, and in the soil. And so Stephen needs more patience. So I'm going to add this person, this situation into Stephen's life that will help provide the element necessary for patience to grow in Stephen's life. Because patience won't grow without this element provided. And so God gives us these things that we may not always look at as blessings in our life. But you remember the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that God works everything for the good of those who love him and walk in his ways. And so God as the master gardener is working these elements in the soil of our heart to provide things he knows are necessary for us things to grow, for the fruits of the spirit to grow. And we may not like it, but he is the master gardener says, this is for your good. This will provide what you need for that fruit to grow. And he's always intricately working in the soil of my life to produce good fruit. And it's again, if I let him, if I harden myself against it, my garden of my heart becomes hard, the, the, the plants stop growing or the seeds can't go in and it doesn't work. But if I say soft to the Lord, he will keep adding that compost, adding that fertilizer, adding the elements necessary in my life to grow the fruit that he wants to come forth from it. So it needs the right soil. Another aspect of soil 
in, inside of this right soil category is different kinds of plants need different kinds of soils. Some plants need a sandier soil. Watermelon grows really good in sandy soil. Something like carrots, you know, root vegetables, they like softer soil because they've got to go, you know, down into the ground. They don't do well with a really wet, thick soil. They need something that's more airy and soft. So some need sandy soil, some need wet soil, some need dry soil, some need a low pH soil, which would be a high acidity soil, like blueberries, they need, you know, you can dump coffee grounds right on them. They like that acidity for blueberries. So every single kind of plant needs different kind of soil. And God is the master gardener, again, works in the soil and he can bring along the conditions. He can bring along a dry condition into our life to bring a certain plant, a certain fruit that would come from it, knowing that it won't grow in a wet condition. Wet condition, I would say, is when things are you know, going along pretty good, getting a lot of rain, it's nice, that's good for a garden. But there are certain kind of plants that won't do well in that. And so God looks at the garden of our heart and says, they need this dry time to grow this fruit. And so I'm going to let that happen in their life so that this fruit can grow, this vegetable, whatever, can grow in their life. So he takes us through those experiences. Again, Romans 8.28, it's all for our good. The correct composition of soil is developed by God bringing us through necessary things. This is the conclusion of this point. The softness of the soil is determined by our response to those things that God brings us through. I'll say that one more time, concluding this point about the soil in the garden of our heart. The correct composition of the soil is developed by God bringing us through the necessary things to bring forth the fruit. But the softness of the soil is determined by our response to the things that he brings us through. Our part and his part. So we need good seeds. We need good soil. The third thing is we need good elements. I'm calling this elements. In, the, in gardening, you'd call it the sun and the rain. You know, the, the, the natural things that are necessary to happen for a garden to grow. You, you, now that the soil, the ground, the garden is planted, you know, you've gone out there, you've got the soil good, you put the seeds in, you can't just walk away and go, well, that's it for the season, I'm done. That would be nice. But it takes care afterwards. If there's not enough rain, it takes watering or irrigating, depending on how, you know, how, how big a thing you are, how big a, a farmer you are. You know, it takes some way to get the water to the plants. And you, we need to be proactive in taking care of a natural garden. It's much better to be proactive about it than it is to, to go and find out afterwards that there's been a major problem going on that we missed. And if you don't care for it, it can get too dry, it can get too weedy. Um, and I've done that. If you've gardened long enough, maybe you've done that too. Just kind of let it get out of hand or not take care of it. But it's always better to be proactive. So keeping our heart like keeping a garden requires care and diligence. If we don't water the garden of our heart, it dries out. Now the Bible in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26b, 
We're just reading a, a snippet from this passage here. It's a much longer passage, but this is what it says in Ephesians 5:26b: having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. The Bible compares the word of God to being water in our life. In this passage specifically to water that cleanses, it's also water that feeds us, that helps us to survive and to grow. The word of God is like that in the garden of our heart. When we spend time with God reading his word, it's like watering the garden. It is an element necessary for the plants to grow. If we neglect it, we don't water our, the garden of our heart with the word of God, we will, our garden will die. It will dry up if we're not spending that time with the Lord. I read this quote uh, by a man named Wayne Grudem, and he said, a theologian or something, but he said, perhaps the greatest help in keeping your heart is just the old-fashioned disciplines of the Christian life. Bible reading, private and corporate prayer, worship, obedience to God's word, caring for the needs of others, sharing Christ with others, giving to the Lord's work, fellowship with God's people. He said, perhaps that's the greatest thing to care for the garden of your heart is just these kind of simple seeming things. But if we let all of these things go, our garden won't be doing well. The garden of our heart won't do well. So these things are necessary. Now, gardening does have its oops moments. This moment where you go, wow, I missed that. Oh, no, I let the soil get too dry. Or those Japanese beetles attacked this tree while I was gone, and I didn't even realize it. And now, look, the tree's almost dead. These sorts of oops moments when you're caring for a garden. And then you, you learn from that and then prepare better, hopefully, the next year, but I found myself in gardening often coming from the defensive position of I missed something and now I'm going to, to, to try to learn and take care of it uh, after I see there's a, a problem. But is this the way that I live life? Do I not get into the word of God until I have an oops? Do I not go to him in prayer until I'm in a problem? See, these are the elements that are necessary for a healthy garden, but it's much better to just be proactively doing them and growing the garden of our heart and our relationship with the Lord than it is to be like getting into a major issue, a major oops, if we could say that, and then trying to fix it afterwards. It's always better to be proactive. But what do you do if you have an oops? What do you do if there's something that the Lord brings to your attention that is wrong in your life, in the garden of your heart? Something that you've let get away and out of control? Well, it's the same in every area of the Christian life. You go to the Lord and you repent and ask forgiveness and ask for his help to solve or fix the problem and to get back to where the garden of your heart should be. Remember, he is the master gardener. And we can go to him if we have one of these um, coming from behind on a problem rather than proactively taking care of it. So good elements. We need to have that. We need to make sure our garden is watered and taken care of and that we're 
giving it the proper things that it needs. And again, these are just the simplicities of our relationship with the Lord and spending time with him and giving you know, him honor, not letting ourselves become proud and so on, all these different areas of our Christian life. The fourth thing and the final one for today that a garden needs. So you've got the soil good, you've got good seeds in the ground, you've taken care of it, you've watered it, you've looked after it, and your plants are now growing beautifully. What's the one last thing that you really need to do besides just the maintenance, you know, the weeding and the watering and those things? Well, you've got to prune. You've got to look at the plants and to see, you might be looking at beautiful, big, green, lush plants, but a good gardener can look at that and realize there's things necessary to be pruned from that plant in order for there to be more fruit. I had this a couple years ago with zucchini. This was a, an aha moment for me with our zucchini plants. We had zucchini plants that were filling up the whole corner of our garden. They were probably 10 feet by 15 feet. The whole section of the garden was zucchini. Beautiful, big green plants. We had lots of zucchini. And then we came to a point within the, the season. It was still zucchini season. All of a sudden, we had no zucchini. None. Any flowers that were coming on the plants just kind of wilted up and died. But the plants still looked beautiful. And so I started doing some research. And I discovered that zucchinis are a vine. You know, they come from one, you plant them in a mound and they grow from there and they keep going. And I discovered that along that vine, the zucchinis grow further and further down the vine. They never grow behind where the last one has grown. They always grow further away. But what is still on that whole vine is all the humongous green, beautiful leaves that were there and necessary for the first zucchinis to grow, but now they're just sapping away the energy that the plant needs to send way down the vine to grow zucchinis that are way down the vine. And so I went out and I hacked up our zucchini patch. I found all those vines and I literally had a mound of zucchini leaves by the time I was done. And all the stems, you know, I went and I cut everything off. You're supposed to cut them off along the vine until you get to the first flower and you get rid of all those leaves. And within literally three days, we had zucchinis all over the place again. Because a beautiful green plant is not what we're after in gardening. We're after fruit, right? I don't want people to come and go, wow, you've got beautiful zucchini plants. I want them to say, well, I don't even care what you say about it. I care more about that I have it to eat. But you, if you come and, and look at it, I'd rather have you go, oh, there's zucchinis on there. They look great. That's the point of the zucchini plant is to grow zucchinis, not to have beautiful leaves. And so in gardening, it requires that care of the gardener to take things away that were once necessary, probably, for some types of plants, but are no longer helping the plant any longer. You know, or tomatoes, they can grow suckers that are the new parts that would make it a more big, beautiful plant, but they're sapping the strength from the plant. And so you pull those off to help your plant have more fruit. This is what Jesus said regarding our life in John 15, one through two. John 15, one through two, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. 
And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. So God, as the master gardener, does this in our lives. Even if a branch is bearing fruit, he will prune it to get rid of things that are not necessary to help that branch to grow more fruit. Wisdom to know what to prune comes from the master gardener. Also, pruning is done on a good plant. This is an important point. Pruning is not done on a weed. So pruning is not cutting out the things that are like wrong and sinful in our life necessarily. I think that's pulling weeds out. Those things don't belong there. They need to go. But pruning is when it's a good, good plant, good thing already, but it's, it's hindering some sort of fruit that God wants there to be in our life. So it could be whatever it is, maybe it's not as kingdom focused as our life should be. It's not something that matters as much for eternity. It could be because maybe it doesn't work a certain fruit of the spirit in our character that God wants to develop. And so he'll, he'll prune this thing, this decent thing out, but allow something else instead. You know, like the zucchini, it can be something that did serve a purpose at a time in our life, but then it's no longer. Now it's something that is taking away from uh, our fruit in our walk with the Lord. So it's always important to remember the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ does not get removed. That is the part that stays there. But the things that are helpful for us to produce fruit for him can change over time. And he's the one who knows that. He's the master gardener. And he's the one who, who you know, wants and cares for the garden of our heart along with us as well. So some things that came to mind, you know, pruning could be a, a relationship. Pruning could be a hobby. Pruning could be how we spend our time. Pruning could be something that is taking our energy into an area that's not bad, but it's not bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. Pruning could be something that's not as eternally valuable as something else. And I'm not giving any specific answers. These are categories because it's going to be different for all of our lives. But we've got to let God as the master gardener prune where he wants to, when he wants to. And it's something that he will make clear to us. So the wisdom comes from him. And if we ask him, Lord, is there anything in the garden of my heart that you want to prune out? He'll let us know. He'll make it clear to us. So pruning, the fourth thing necessary. We have to have, same with me, good seeds, good soil, good elements, and then pruning. And after that, a good harvest. That's the whole goal, good fruit. We are never done with this gardening process until the end. And the end, the harvest time, is when our life is finished here on earth. The gardening process is from beginning all the way until the end. It's a continual of this. It's always looking for the good seeds. It's always working on the soft soil. It's always taking care of that relationship with the Lord and the watering 
spending time in the word and the prayer and church and fellow believers and looking after others and worshiping the Lord. It's all these things, always, all the way until the end. And then it's letting God prune. And if God points in something in our life and says, this area of your life, I want to prune this out because it's not as fruitful as it could be, then our response to that for the rest of our lives has to be, yes, Lord, not no, Lord. I want that. I like that. God's the master gardener, and he knows what will make us more fruitful. So a garden takes a lot of care and a lot of checking. Are you inspecting the condition of the garden of your heart? Am I inspecting the condition of the garden of my heart? Am I doing the things that I know are necessary to maintain that garden, to maintain a soft heart? And am I going to the master gardener and getting wisdom for him about the right elements and the pruning necessary? Am I seeking his wisdom in my life? Why don't we do that as we close in prayer today? Why don't we seek the wisdom of God, the master gardener in our own heart, our own life? And we'll just pause for a moment here. If any area of this stood out to you, spoke to you, take it to the Lord whether it be a pruning thing or a wrong soil, a hard soil, or not right seeds, whatever it is, take it to the Lord now. You take that to the master gardener and then we'll close in prayer and ask for his wisdom. Lord, thank you that you are the master gardener, the one with all wisdom and knowledge and knows what is necessary in the garden of our heart. And Lord, I pray that we would be soft towards your work in our life, Lord. When you desire to bring an element in, you desire to bring uh, something that will bring forth the fruit that you desire in the garden of our heart, Lord, that we wouldn't harden against that. And that when you desire to come in and prune something of the garden of our heart, some plant, you know you're trying to bring forth more fruit, Lord. Would we not stand against that as well, Lord? Would we let you as the best or gardener, um, do the work necessary? Or would we also be feeding the garden of our heart by doing what we know is right and feeding on your word, letting it water us and spending time with you in prayer and in worship and in church and so on, Lord. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that at the, the end of our life, Lord, and throughout our life, that we would be producing fruit that is good for your kingdom, and that being you know, good character, Lord, that the fruits of the Spirit would be growing in evidence in the garden of our heart and all the things that you want there, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen.